0: Play fantasy's football show with D Mindy,
1: Brastodamas, Doc, and Johnny Foosball starts now.
0: Meet Bob Wiley, the Browns' offensive line coach. Stretch. I'd rather watch a plant grow than stretch. How'd they play football in 1946 when there was no music? <laughs> how those guys do that? What did That's a good point. They get the Gwen Miller band and so they can have music. They put the Gwen Miller band in the stands and play music. That's a good point.
1: We welcome in a man who knows how to protect the quarterback. He has worked for six colleges, eight NFL teams, and three CFL teams. He is probably the most decorated and famous offensive line coach ever. An amateur major and his own private plane. The man who compares animals to blocking in the NFL and his ex-mother-in-law. The man who got dates with the prettiest girls in his senior class. We welcome in a guy that doesn't in, that doesn't believe in stretching. HBO star Bob Wiley. Set up Bob, <laughs> what's going on? Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks for having me. I appreciate you reaching out. Bob it is a pleasure having you on. I think America now knows how much of a true gem you are from HBO Hard Knocks, and I'm very excited to get into your career.
0: Yeah it's it's been a it's been a good ride, and and, and I uh I have such a love and a passion for the game, and I think that uh, you know if you know I used to tell my players you know. Owen when told me one time, <laughs> he said, Coach, if you didn't pay me, I'd still play, right? Because he loved the game so much. And it's the same way, you know, in my heart, uh, you know, I, I never got in the game for the money. You know, when I first started to coach football, you know, I was coaching Papuana football. I coached Papawana football, junior high school football, high school football, college football, pro football, both in the National Football League and the Canadian Football League. You know, so I, I've, I've, no, I've done, I've been to Gambit, and I know everybody's problems, but what people don't realize is that all the problems are the same no matter if you're coaching in Papuauna or if you're coaching in the national football league. You have the same problems, it's just different bodies. You've got different body types. I mean, the kids come away from practice, they go the wrong way, they give up sacks, they give up pressures, they make mental assignment breakdowns. They do the same thing in the national football league. <laughs> it doesn't matter the difference if they're 8 or 10 or 22 to 30. It doesn't matter. They're, they make those same mistakes. You know, it's, it's how you handle those mistakes that is what counts. You know what I mean? But actually, for the passion and love for the game, my first job that I actually got a paycheck for, when you count up all the hours that I put in trying to make it right, I got 22 cents an hour.
1: Oh, yeah. I can almost buy you a gumball today.
0: It was not the money that got me into football.
1: And, Bob, I want to start way before you were in the NFL because you grew up a native of West Warwick, Rhode Island, where you were a teacher and administrator in your hometown from 1973 to 1980. You played linebacker at the college level and tight end uh, in Colorado for three years before transferring to Roger Williams College. Where you received a bachelor's degree in American studies. And Bob, you've always had an extroverted personality, which it seems like you got from your father. Your classmate Jim Lager, I hope I said his name right, even called L-G-O-R-E. you a Hellraiser.
0: Lagore, L-A-G-O-R, Lagore. Lagore.
1: L-A-G-O-R. All right, I'm over one on names today, but you graduated from West Warwick High School in 1969. And upon graduation, you stayed in town. And as mentioned, your first stop was coaching a Pop Warner team and the West Warwick Steelers followed by stints at Deering Middle School and West, Warwick, West Warwick's JV program. You'd follow your buddy, Steve Alves. Did I say that right? Alves. Alves. Oh, I'm over yeah. 2. No, you're horrible. You'll get them
0: right eventually. You'll get
1: them right. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I, third time's a charm, but you'd follow him for stints at North Kingston and later at Cranston East and LaSalle. And in 1980, you met Jim McNally at a, at a football clinic who introduced you to zone blocking angles and techniques which were groundbreaking at the time. Now, Bob, You almost
0: got it correct. The uh, number one, when I graduated from high school, I went to college. I didn't stick around town. Okay, so I went away to school, and then I came back. When I came back, and I went to Roger Williams College, right? They don't have a football program, and that's where I started the coach. Mm-hmm. I started to coach the coach to Pop Warner kids and the junior high school kids at the same time. Okay, because I could, I could work with the junior high kids after school. Okay, and I could work with the Papuana kids at night. So I would go over to junior high practices, right? And then I go home and eat dinner, right? And then I go to Papuana practices on a different location in town. So that's where I first started when I got back from Colorado, okay? And, and that's how it first took off, all right? So, and I can't, I, I don't know why. Right? And then eventually I ended up working my way up from junior high school to high school. Okay, and in 1975, I went to an offensive line clinic at Boston College. It wasn't even an offensive. It was just Boston College spring clinic, and Joe Yukiko was the head football coach, okay? And Jim McNally was the line coach there. So I was sitting in the audience, and I'm listening to him, and I'm trying to figure out how to get these blocking schemes that we had, the blocking rules. I didn't know how to do that. Okay, so I was listening to Jimmy, and and uh, I said that guy's pretty smart. You know, I said I'm going to talk to him when he gets done. So I went up, and I, you know, I said, Coach, can you help me out here? Yeah, I'm trying to get these plays, these the rules. And I don't know how to do that. He says I can't do it now. He says, but come back later on in a week. Come back on Friday. You know what I mean? I got some free time, and I'll sit down with you. I said, okay. So I go back to Boston College on that Friday, right? And we sit down, we spend most of the day and we take all these plays that I got and we put them to blocking and rules. And back then, the, the blocking rules were relatively simple. It was in, on, out, linebacker, you know, in, down, on. It was all kind of, you know, wasn't really complicated. So so Jimmy puts all these things to rules for me. Fine. So I was... My career goes on in his. He leaves Boston College, and he goes to Wake Forest with John Makovic. okay? And I end up working my way from high school football, and I get my first college job at Brown University, all right? Jimmy, I go visit Jimmy at Wake, but then Jimmy leaves Wake after two years, and he gets hired by the Bengals, Forrest Greggs, the head football coach. And I get a phone call. I'm sitting in an office down at Brown University and I get a phone call and it's Jimmy. And he says, Hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm just at my office looking at film. What's up? He says, I just got the playbook from Forrest. I said, yeah. He said, yeah, you got to listen to these plays. 48 M U O, 29 UOs, 39 Excuse me, 39 U O smash, 27 A O counter, 46 HB, 37 HA power. It's all the same plays. That I had brought to him in 1975. Mm-hmm. My, my high school football coach, the guy that coached me, okay, was a guy named Frank Maznicki. Frank Maznicki played for the Chicago Bears for George Alice, okay? And he was on the 1946 World Championship team for the Chicago Bears. Well, when he got done playing and he got out of the service, he came back to Westwalk High School where he graduated from, and he became the head football coach. And he won a lot of football games. There was one stretch there where you had won 59 games in a row. And that team ended up playing in the Orange Bowl, some bowl, high school bowl game down in Florida, from a little small four-by-six milltown, town in West Island. okay? Island. So it was a good football community at the time. Right, so he must have taken the offense that they ran at the Bears – and then put it in high school, okay? Mm-hmm. And use the same terminology, right, that George Howard was using at the time. Well, obviously, Guambati and the Bears, the Packers and the Bears played each other. I think it's the oldest rivalry in professional. It is. Football, okay? I think they played each other 200 some odd times, you know, and uh, so we're running that offense. So, you know, Vince Lombardi probably stole it from George Harris okay? So I get the phone call from Jimmy. He says, hey, you need to get out of here. I said, what do you mean? He says, yeah, come out and visit me for a few days. I want you to tell me everything, okay, that you know about this offense. <laughs> okay. So I go out to Cincinnati, right, I sit down with her for a couple of days. and I'm, Everything I could think of about the motions, shifts, why we did it, you know what I mean? Why we call the, the the way we call the plays. You know what I mean? How, why, why it was structured the way it was structured. You know, all, anything I knew about it, I tried to tell him. So I'm getting ready to come back to Rhode Island. And he says, wait here. I said, okay. So I'm waiting there. He comes back about 45 minutes later. He said, I just talked to Coach Greg and I just talked to Coach Brown. He said, "Right, it's okay. You can come to mini camps and you can come to the training camps. Said, oh, my God. Right, that was like a, it's like waving a carrot in front of a horse. Right. <laughs> so, for the next eight years, okay, I never took a vacation. Any free time I had, I went right to the Bengals. Okay, I just went. I right down to the Bengals, and I would help Jimmy. Okay, in the training camps and in any mini camps, and I, I would just sit back there and I would, and I would view things and, right, I'd write things down that I saw and give them to him. You know what I mean? And whatever I could do. Okay, I did it, okay? And eventually I hung around long enough that they gave me a job. Right. so that's, If my head football coach had never played for the Chicago Bears, I would probably still be coaching football <clears throat> at Brown University, someplace like that.
1: So, Bob, I got to ask because it seems like that wasn't revolutionary then with this story. But one of your sayings, RTFF, run the freaking football, became very popular, you would frequently use double tight end. Why did you not want to pass the ball? Because we could run it.
0: I, I believe that <laughs> if you if you control the ball as far as you can run it, run the ball.
1: You must hate <laughs> the NFL today. <laughs> In
0: high school back then, the passing game wasn't a real significant thing. You ran the ball, okay? If you threw the ball, you may have thrown it 15 times a game. But you were going to run the football. That's what was going to happen to you. And you were going to run it off tackle. That's what you're going to You know what I mean? So that's what we did. You know, we did it again and again and again and again and again. And The kids got pretty good at running the football. You know, later on, as your career goes on, you you find that you, you need to get chunks of yardage. You know, the NFL is saying you need to run the football. As far as I can see, the NFL is a passing league to get the biggest chunks of yardage, right, when they throw the football. Okay, now, you need to run the ball in there. Yes, you do. you got to have some type of running game. You know what I mean? All that, you know, four-minute offense, you need to be able to run it. You know, you need to be able to run it in the month of December if you're playing in the northern teams, you know, things like that. But the, the league itself, you're, you're going to win games because you can throw it. Okay, you're going to win games because you can get it. You can get chunks of yardage down the field. You know, you see it over and over and over and over and over again, you know. There are very few teams make their whole living by actually running the football. I mean, I think the Baltimore Ravens do a wonderful job at it. I think the Tennessee Titans do an excellent job at running the football. You know, there's a few teams out there that do that, okay. Right, but most of the group, okay, they're going to try to make the living by throwing it. Does – uh, the Canadian Football League only having three downs impacts your ability to run the freaking football. <laughs> yeah, that's because a, you're already behind the sticks. <laughs> that makes it even more difficult. I mean, I, 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 you, you got to have some type of philosophy, some type of offensive philosophy. I know the pro teams that I've been with, most of them in the National Football League, our philosophy is we wanted to live in a world of third and four to six. If we could get in that world, we figured that we could convert enough of those third down uh, plays and that down in distance that we could stay on the field. You know what I mean? Score some, some points. Okay. Uh, unrealistic to live in a world of third and one to two. You're going to get in that world, you know, but how many third and ones do you have in a pro game? You may have three, you know, at an average. Okay. So that doesn't come up a lot, but the third and four to six does. Now, how do you get in that world? How do you live in that world, okay? Well, you don't want to have any minus yardage runs. That's the first thing you got to think about. You know, because sometimes you run the ball on first down, you get two yards, right? I go, oh, they only got two yards on that play. Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay, and if we ran it again and we got two more yards, now it's third and six. But we only made two yards in each play. (laughs) We got in the world with third and four to six. If you're in it for two and a half, now you're in a third and five world, okay? So it's not as difficult. If you don't make anything on first down and you throw some pass and you get four yards on second down, you're in a world of third and four to six. So, And it was okay to punt the football. It was okay to punt the ball. It was okay, (laughs) right? So if you can live in that world right now, Canada's a little different, okay? Because you only got three downs, and the third down, you're punting the ball, okay? So you got to kind of make – got to get in second and five. You want to get in that second and four or five world. So you got to make four to six yards on first down, okay, to get in that second and five world up there, okay? So that's where your difference comes in. And it's a faster game. It's, it's like a fast-break basketball game is what it is. I love that. The tempo, the speed of the game. I mean, it's really fun to coach up there, right? Because it's really a fun game. The field's 65 yards wide, right? It's 110 yards long. The end zones are 20 yards deep. You know, one of the toughest things I had trouble getting used to, you have the ball on a 15-yard line going in, and you can throw it 35 yards down the field <laughs> going in, right? But the ball's on a 15. You know, you can use the goalposts because they're on the goal line where you can pick defenders with the goalposts. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, some of those crossing routes that you see the guys running in the NFL, you know, some of the nakeds with a tight ends running an over route coming across the field. Well, when we throw the guy the ball, in the NFL, that kid would be out of bounds. In the CFL, he's still running. Okay, that's why they put the 12th (laughs) guy on the field. You know, there's 12 guys out there because there's so much field to cover. If you only played with 11, my God, it'd be crazy. It would, you know, there'd be, be so much field the work would be unbelievable. So they put 12 guys on either side. And then one of the other neat things about it was the, the defensive line has to line up a yard off the ball. They, they don't line up on the line of screen. They're a yard back on every play, right? Oh, so, you know, the problem is sometimes when you get on the one-yard line going in, You run the ball when you get 18 inches, right? So you got 18 inches to go. No, they move it back to the one-yard line. (laughs) Bob, I'm
1: I'm curious. You had Jeremy O'Day and Gene Mikowski turn them into all-stars. You also had Travis Bond turn into an all-star. You had Steven Wisniewski become an all-rookie, all because of your offensive line toolage. So my question is, Take me right now. Could you turn me into an all-star offensive lineman?
0: Well, let me see. You look like you weigh 175 pounds. Oh, 155. <laughs> that one's going to be a little tough now. That one's going to be a little tough. So, you could teach me the techniques, uh, right? The, uh, what I'm saying is the uh, – You're saying find another position. I try to – it doesn't matter the position, Right. The first thing I do when I sit in a room with the guys the very first thing players don't care how much you know. They they really don't. Players care how much you care. Right? That's the first thing. How much you care. They don't really care about how much you know. It's how much you care about the as people first and then players, okay? People first and then players, all right? So when you have to establish that with them and you establish it and it can't be a a facade. It can't be fake. It's going to be genuine. Like I get all my players birthdays and if they have a birthday and we're in season or they're in the building. Okay. Then in my meeting room, there's going to be a cake with that kid's name and number on it. That's going to happen. Okay. You know what I mean? On on Wednesday afternoons is pizza Wendy's. I'm going to buy the pizza, pizza Wednesdays. I'm going to buy the pizza for Wednesday afternoons. That's going to happen. Okay. You know, uh, I make sure I get the anniversary dates cuz they're going to forget to send their wife's flowers on their anniversary. I good flowers on anniversary. You know I always have a little stockpile of little toys cuz when they bring their kids into the offices, I make sure I can give the kid a truck or a doll or something. You know what I mean that you know so it's not a fake deal at In-N-Out. Uh, you know one of the greatest tributes I think they made to me at the Browns when I got hurt Okay, uh, we we have this thing called it's like a Kris Kringle, a Dirty Santa, okay, or Bad Santa, or so we decorated every holiday. You know, we decorated the room for Halloween, and we'd have Halloween candy put out. So guys would come in to get a piece of candy and stuff, just like trick or treating. And then we decorated for Thanksgiving. We have all the decorations for Thanksgiving, right? Then we decorated for Christmas, but at Christmas time we have this gift exchange with the offensive line and it went on by seniority. Okay. So you buy a gift for X number of dollars. We always set a dollar price that we're going to pay for these gifts. Okay. So you have to spend at least this amount of money, right? You wrap it up and you put it under the tree. Okay. And then they list the seniority of everybody in the room. And I was always the last guy, obviously. Okay. And, the first guy up picks a present, opens it up. Okay. That's his present. But when the second guy opens his gift, if he doesn't like it, he can take the first guy's gift. Oh, that's
1: secret Santa.
0: Give him his. Yes.
1: Or white elephant. White elephant, I think.
0: So this goes on back and forth until I get my pick. Right. I can pick anything I want. Right. whoever got the best gift. I take that one <clears throat> or whatever one I liked, you know, so, <laughs> you know, uh, I've got I've got Xboxes for my grandson and stuff, and they're doing that stuff. But, we, I mean, one time with the Raiders, one of the players brought in a, a, motorcycle. Can't wait, a motorcycle. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, we had we were having a lot of fun with it. But Then I got hurt the second to the last game of the season at the Browns. And I'm in a hospital bed. And the next day, because I got hurt on a Thursday, Friday, okay, we were playing the Bengals second to the last game of the season. Right, and we were supposed to have the, the gift exchange on uh, that, that Friday, okay? Well, what they did is the players postponed it, okay? They, they postponed it to, to the next Friday, okay? And they brought everything from the room into the hospital, the decorations, the gifts, right? Everything, right, they brought into the hospital. Okay, and we had it there. You know what I mean? After the Bengal game, they gave me the game ball. They came over to the hospital and gave me the game ball, right? That, that, that's when you know you got them. That's when they, you know, that you've touched them in a way, okay, that they they felt, right, that you truly believed in them as people first and then as players, okay? A lot of teams, I don't know how much that happens on a lot of teams. You know, a lot of guys afraid to get close to their players because they're, you may have to cut them. You may have to trade them. You know what I mean? That's the business side of it, guys. You know what I mean? You know, I know I've been with some coaches that, you know, they want your players to hate you. I, I can't, you know, I want to teach my players, right? I don't want them to hate me. I want them to teach. I want them to learn before they compete, you know, you know, Teach them, don't tell them, teach them. I learned that from Coach Brown. Teach them, don't tell them. There's a big difference between teaching them and telling them guys, okay? You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're know, you on practice and the kid makes a mistake, okay? Oh, well, everybody in the practice field, the, the, the kid knows he made the, made the mistake. He's the first guy to know it, okay? Well, what happens? The line coach starts screaming at the guy, yelling at the guy, right? Right, and then the coordinator he's going to put his two cents in, so he's going to say something to the kid. Then the head coach has to trip in and say something to the kid. And now a kid's afraid to move because he's afraid to make a mistake. Okay, you don't want the kid to be like that. Okay, you don't want that to happen to that player. You know, I teach my players don't be afraid to fail. You cannot be afraid to fail. Okay, and play at the highest level that you need to play at in order to be successful, in order to get us where we need to go. And if you're playing too cautious, if you're not aggressive enough, yeah, it's not gonna work. It's just, it's not gonna work. Okay, so don't be afraid to fail. You know, same thing in, in life in general, for you young guys, or even the older people. People in life don't think big enough because they're afraid to fail. Failing's not the problem, everybody fails. When you first started to walk, you fell down. You failed. But you got back up and you figured it out, right? One step yeah. at a time, right? So you're not going to be defined in life if you fail. You're defined in life on how far you've risen after you have fallen. That's what defines your life, okay? That's what happens to you, okay? Because people think, oh, I'm afraid to make a move, you know, because now what happens you? You get married, okay? You get a job, right? You get you get 2.3 kids, right? And a mortgage, <laughs> right? And now you're afraid to make a move because you're afraid it ain't going to work out and then I'm going to get fired and then what am I going to do now? And my kids and my wife and my uh, grandmother, grandfather, aunt, uncles, cousins, mom, dad, brother, sister, they're all going to think I'm a failure. That doesn't matter.
1: Wise words from Bob Wiley. They're
0: still going to love you, okay? All right? You know, and, and so I, I, that's the failure part. Forget about it. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, go and do the job at the best of your ability, at the highest level you can do it at, okay? All right, And don't be afraid to fail, okay? It, it's, it's crazy, okay? If everybody did what they're supposed to do, Picture this you put the ball on the 50 yard line, and everybody on each side of the football does exactly what they're supposed to do. Everybody does their job exactly the way they're coached. Okay. That ball would stay on the 50 yard line, it wouldn't go anywhere. The only way it would move if you punted it. And whenever that ball lands, right, there you go. Somebody doesn't do their job, somebody doesn't cover a gap, somebody goes the wrong way, somebody winds up wrong, somebody makes a missed assignment, and the ball starts to move. Because somebody did the wrong thing. Somebody didn't do their job. Okay. That's why the ball moves in a national football league. This is a this is really fun for me to do this. Any information that I can give to, to people. You know what I mean? That help makes them better as a player, as a coach, or even as just as a person. You know what I mean? I'm, 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 I'm willing to do that. You know, I didn't get, I didn't, I didn't travel this journey by myself. You know what I mean? I had people that helped me along the way. You know what I mean? I just didn't stop pop on football and end up in a national football league. You know, I, you know, some guys, you know, they, they, they got a buddy, the buddy calls them, i you a job. I that, you know, you know, I think there's something to be said about coming up. Like Earl Bruce used to tell us when I worked for Coach Bruce, he said he didn't want to hire anybody that never lined the field. He felt there was something missing about coming up and, and lining the field and setting your own equipment up. You know what I mean? And doing those type of things to learn about the sport of football.
1: So, and Bob, about- I got I got to ask because you sound like very, you know, you've been in the game for a while. Did you enjoy the attention that Hard Knocks gave you? I,
0: it was fun. But through most of my career, I, I tried to be, you know, some guys like to get in front of the cameras, you know what I mean, to promote their career. And then, you know, how do you get to be where you are? You know, the media shines the camera on you. Oh, this guy, look at this guy's offensive line. Okay, well the offensive line that I had, the last offensive line they had in the NFL was at the Cleveland Browns, okay? And that and that line finished number two, second. Okay. That's not bad. The only line better than mine, right, or better than ours, I should say, was the Steelers when Munchak had that line, okay? So we were a pretty good offensive line, you know, and you know that that didn't happen, you know, by myself. You know what I'm saying? I, I had a, somebody help me coming up through the ranks. When I was a Papuana coach, I talked to the high school guys. When I was a high school coach, I talked to the college guys. When I was a college coach, I talked to the pro guys. You know what I mean? And, and guys helped me. You know, McNally, Howard Mudd, God rest his soul. You know, Jim Hannaford, God rest his soul. Joe Bugle. You know, Joe Bugle offered me two jobs at one time. You know, these, these guys helped me. Billy Muir. There's a, there's a lot of guys I could name that helped me through my career. I think it's only morally correct for me to help the younger guys. Okay, You're right. You know I mean, we have this offensive line clinic that we that we do in Cincinnati. We didn't have it because of the virus. You know what I mean? But we've helped over twelve thousand offensive line coaches since we've been doing it thirty eight years.
1: I'm sure so the quarterbacks because- appreciate it.
0: Better coaches, and you can see it show up on the college tape. Right, I can see the stuff that the college guys come. Maybe one year we had over 400 guys from 211 different universities, from 43 different states, from six different countries. Guy came from Japan, Austria, Brazil. Right, it's amazing they come to the offensive line. It's only one like it on the planet, you know what I mean? This year we're going to do it. But it's going to be virtual because it can't get everybody in a room, you know? So it's going to be virtual this year, right? And nobody gets paid. We give back to the profession that's been good to us over the years. You know what I mean? That's,
1: you know, I'm kind of proud of the, of the things that we do of that nature with. Hey, Bob, can we get an invite to that offensive lineman clinic? You can come, I Any mean, yeah. All right, come, all right. Well, I'll make sure. You can be a VIP. My VIP guests.
0: Yes. We're Bob (laughs) Wiley's plus one, baby. Plus three. (laughs) Plus three. I need your name, your cell numbers, and your emails. You got my You already have mine.
1: Bob, (laughs) can I ask you, can we be the official Bob Wiley podcast?
0: I did a podcast about a month ago for Rod Woodson. And I got on the podcast, right? And it was international. Right. And I got it. There may have been 12. 10, 12, 15 different countries on there. South Africa, Spain, France, Austria, Germany, Scotland, England. I mean, Japan, they were on there from all over the place, Canada. I said, oh my God, this is crazy. And then two weeks later, I did one for China. They took my presentation and they converted it into Chinese. Right, so when I did, I didn't even know the NFL. The NFL has a office in Singapore that promotes American football, NFL football, in China. Cool. I didn't yeah. even know they played football in China, okay? <laughs> now, that was kind of a unique experience. I had a, there was an interpreter, he was telling me, slow down when you talk, right? And then I would highlight the line because they took my presentation and above my line, they made that same line in Chinese, right? So I would highlight that line as I talked about it so they could read it right across the screen because I had shared my screen with them. So it, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I find there's a lot of interesting things that happen, you know, in, in this game, okay, that people don't know a, a lot about. It really, yeah, uh, it's the relationships now that kind of get your jobs. It's not how good you are anymore. I mean I thought you Jackson, I like, well him Dale, you you Jackson, I didn't know from Adam. Didn't know him, you know, didn't I get a phone call and he, you know, he says, hey, would you like to interview? You know, and I said, Yeah. And and uh so I interviewed him and Coach Davis and, and uh and, and yeah, Mr. Davis liked to be called coach, so you know I never ever called him out. You never call him and no, don't do that. You know, the, uh you know and Al Sanders. Okay. And, but what they did is they interviewed four or five guys that were NFL coaches that are out of work. Okay. And they picked me, and I didn't know any of those guys. You know, that's the old fashioned way. That's the way they used to do it. Okay. You know, you had to be a pretty damn good football coach just to get the interview. Don't work like that anymore. It doesn't. You know what I mean? They hire this guy, that guy. I mean, you know, I, I could have the second best offensive line in the NFL, right? And then going for a job, they hire a guy that has the 32nd line in the NFL. You know, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't, you know, So, so best, surround yourself with the best teachers and you have a better chance to be successful. Okay. You surround yourself with all your buddies and your friends, right? And all the guys are going to say yes. Oh yes. Yes. But most of the guys are, They, they they're insecure. They don't, you know, Sam Weiss, and, you know, you, they, they welcome the arguments. It, it was okay to disagree with them. It just wasn't okay to be disagreeable. Because if everybody's sitting in the room and everybody's saying, yes, oh, so what a great idea that is. And you're sitting there and you know it's not going to work and you keep your mouth shut because you don't want to rock the boat. Well, when it doesn't work, you're just as much the problem as the other guys. Okay? But there's a lot of insecure guys out there they say, well, he's not with us. He's not with the program. He's this, that. He's got, he's got all the answers. That's not the case. I'm just giving you a different way to look at something. If you have an open mind, Sam Weiss loved it. Sam Weiss would say, sell it to me. Sell it to me. Show me why. Give me the film. Give me the statistics. Show me the tape. Okay. If it fits in, it fits in. If it doesn't fit in, we won't
1: use it. Okay? So, Bob- I got to ask you, because speaking of interview, I got to ask you a few non-football related questions, kind of just a this or that. Give me the first one that comes to your mind, okay? All right. Would you rather be a professional magician or a pilot? A pilot. Okay. Would you rather give up hamburgers or pizza for the rest of your life? Hamburgers. Okay. My man, Pop's a pe- He's a pizza guy. That's my man. Yeah, right pizza, there. pizza Wednesdays are a thing. <laughs> All right. Would you rather have to shave your mustache or shave your head? That's a good one because I don't have any hair anyway. Doesn't matter. Yeah, but you, gotta, but you gotta you gotta shave. you gotta shave the sides. You gotta go completely bald.
0: I would probably much rather shave my head.
1: Okay. The better jersey, the Raiders Silver and Black. Or the Bucks light orange creamsicle. Rated
0: silver and black.
1: You can't go wrong. There we go. Better win for the US. World War One or World War II. Say that again. What was the better win for the United States? World War One or World War II? World War II. Normandy, right?
0: <laughs> World War II, I think, was the better
1: win. All right. Beat uh beat the Axis powers. Yeah.
0: I think they had a better chance to be, to go global, like if Hitler would have taken Russia, okay, mm-hmm. and then come into our shores if that happened. You know what I mean? World War I, that wasn't going to happen.
1: All right. No, that's a good answer. I thought you were going to go that way. Would you rather have to stretch every day or only be able to watch the Hallmark Channel for three months? Oh, my God. <laughs> They're both pretty torturous, right? We
0: watch the Hallmark channel, right?
1: <laughs> you don't you don't like stretching that much that you'd suffer with the Hallmark channel. What if those 3 months you're during football season, would you still rather watch that than just stretch? Yeah, I would it's the stretching I.
0: I mean, we do all this fancy stuff. I mean, it, 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 how much difference does it actually make? <laughs> Think about this. Okay? You're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, okay? You went outside and played all the way up to 14 if you want. You didn't stretch. You went outside and played. You went down a ballpark and you started to play baseball with your buddy. You didn't stretch. You went down a ball field. You started to play basketball. There was no stretching. You just played, right? You climbed the tree. Did you stretch when you climbed the tree? No. You climbed the tree. You climbed the rock. You did something, right? All of a sudden... You get into organized sports, okay? And what do I do? Well, you got to stretch. Are you kidding me? Right? <laughs> I just went fourteen years without stretching. Why do I have to stretch now?
1: Right? It is, All right. Well, do it. <laughs> you, we don't anticipate Bob stretching on any time as I'm stretching on screen.
0: This, I was uh, going to say,
1: Eric, it's a lot uh, of hate for the Hallmark the Raiders, Channel
0: at the Raiders. We didn't stretch, okay we did not stretch at the Raiders. Okay. If they wanted to get stretched, they had to stretch with the strength coaches or with the trainers. But when we went on the field, okay. Right. We got together, we broke up, we ran five offensive plays on air and then we went to individual. We had the least amount of soft tissue injury in the national football league. We didn't stretch.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, Bob Wiley does not stretch and will not stretch. All right, Bob, what's the better right, clam chowder? Sword. I'm what's... in a hospital bed. Okay. Let's hear it.
0: And a guy comes in, and he's got these rubber bands, and he goes, I said, what are those for? He goes, well, you know, we're going to have to stretch every day. I said, obviously, you haven't seen hot knocks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. The man will not stretch. Bob, better clam chowder, Rhode Island or New England? Say that one more time. I can't, I'm having a problem hearing you. The better clam chowder, Rhode Island or New England? New England clam chowder. All right, that's Ooh, where I figured. Controversial. He's in Rhode Island right now. Well,
0: <laughs> I'm from Rhode Island, but you understand they have the New England clam chowder bake-off in Newport, Rhode Island, every June. Okay, and if you ever get there, right, they have all the best clam chowders from all over New England, then it happens in. In Newport, Rhode Island, okay, and so the the I think the Rhode Island clam chowder is a little too thin, right? The Manhattan chowder is the red one, okay, and the New England clam chowder is the thicker-based one. All and right. The thing about one for you, you inexperienced Rhode Islanders, okay, is <laughs> you get clam cakes in Rhode Island. You don't find clam cakes anywhere else, in them but Rhode Island, okay. And when you go to I'm like I'm in Colorado and say, hey, we have original New England clam chowder. And I sit there and I look at him. Hey, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: Bob. We're gonna transition from food.
0: Coffee syrup. Well you get coffee syrup. You want to get coffee syrup in Rhode Island? You don't <laughs> get coffee syrup in your I, I gotta tell you, my fiance is actually
1: from South Kingstown, Rhode Island, and I had never had clam cakes or coffee syrup before I met her. So you're a hundred percent right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We, the New York system, hot is that's a Rhode Island deal. You have the hot wings, right? We used to go in the New York system when I was a kid and they, they would put like 12 of them on your arm. And the guy would be sweating and he would be putting the mustard and the onions and the sauce on the, all the way up his arms. And you would have thought those are the most best tasting things in the world. right?
1: <laughs> all right. I want to ask you a football that's not or a question that's not food related. And, and we talked about it on the phone earlier. Would you rather fight 100 duck sized horses? Or one horse sized duck. I go with the horses. <laughs> all right. What would your strategy be? You just kick them around? Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. We got a couple questions left. Imagine That's you're playing. Imagine you're playing football. Would you rather have to try to block James Harrison or run a slant across the middle against Vontez Burfict? I'd rather block. I mean you're that's right. That's right. I mean you're He's coaching the, Montez did. you're you're coaching the technique, so you could probably stop him. I'd rather i I always
0: you know, there's a I go over this thing about learning a new skill. Okay, unconscious competence. Okay. And I ask, you know, I ask my players in the room, I ask when I speak at different clinics, I ask people all right about unconscious competence. As a matter of fact, here it is right here. I don't know if you can see it.
1: There we go. Oh yeah, yeah. Confidence.
0: Okay. And it's the uh it's the four stages of learning a new skill. Everybody on the planet learns like that, okay? Nobody on the planet learns any different than this unconscious competence stuff. You'll be surprised how many teachers and coaches don't know how to teach or learn how how they learn a new skill. It's amazing. I'd speak at these Glacier Clinics and there would be two or three hundred guys in a room, and at the first, I'd, I'd ask them that question: I'd say, "How many guys know unconscious competence?" And like two guys would raise their hand, and I, I and I would say, "Don't you guys think you're teaching or you're coaching, right, young people that you should know how they learn a new skill? Wouldn't that be a prerequisite to
1: understand
0: that?" It's amazing how many people don't do not understand that.
1: You know what I mean? More wise words from Bob. Bob, this is the last one, and I saved it for last because I think it's the best one. And, and Bob, we're gonna we're gonna do a part two sometime because I know you've got so much more wisdom to tell us. So I, I we will have to to do a part two. Like it's a must. All right. So who have people said you look like more, Andy Reid or Rob Ryan? It's not Rob
0: Ryan. I know that. Uh, <laughs> I get more. In fact, I was sitting in the Washington D.C. airport. And a guy come up to me and said, can I write your autograph? Hey, I looked at the guy. Right? He goes, yeah. He said, aren't you Andy Reid? I said, no. <laughs> 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 oh,
1: man. I love that Before
0: story. When I was younger, okay, it was more like, because I like to play golf. And it was more the Greg, the Greg Statler stuff. I mean, gotcha. Guys, I can songs? see that. He right. was a pro golfer. In fact, I'm not sure he's not on the scene at all, but, okay. And uh, I was very fortunate. I coached with the Jets that our head football coach and Payne Stewart, okay, right, had the same agent. Mm -hmm. So when Payne came through, right, we would go up there. They played a Westchester Open. And so we would go up to uh, Westchester Country Club, okay. And we'd, you know, we'd walk around with Payne and we'd have lunch with him. You know what I mean? Or we'd have dinner after the round was over. So I was very fortunate. Well, that's when Greg Stadler was on that same tour, obviously, you know what I mean? So they, they would
1: and if I was walking
0: in a clubhouse, right. And Greg Stadler was walking the other way. We kind of look at each other.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. We had a great time speaking with Bob Wiley, not Andy Reid. Bob is not on any social media. He doesn't do that, but we thank him so much for his time today, Bob. We really do appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I don't have a I don't do any of that stuff. I
1: Nah, he just does football and clam cakes. That's (laughs) That's, it. Bob, we really appreciate it. This is awesome. Guys, I appreciate it. Okay.